it's Sally here. Just a quick one, just a quick one. If you like this really sweary podcast by Kalechi, sorry, Kalechi, do remember to rate and review Say Your Mind on Apple Podcasts, okay? Now for the very urban intro music. <laughs> it's the Ben's Punani woman, this baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. If you sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sip it, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind. If I were a straw, I'd like to be flung every day in the direction of somebody who needs to suck their mother clearly. If I were a straw, I'd have red and white stripes. So I could be an outstanding prop for people who are airing their gripes. If I were a straw, you'd be glad I exist. Because people move mad and never get cussed out for it. Happy New Year, people. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to my people, them. (laughs) Yeah, really, truly channeling the mood, the vibe of Beyonce for this 2020. Really honing into that Virgo energy. I don't even know if I've got really any Virgo placements in my chart. I don't think I I've got to look at my chart again. But uh yeah, really channeling channeling rather that energy. But happy new year, happy new year. I want him me. Ah. Is it No, Look at me. My night oh my I was gonna say my Nigerian. Fucking hell. My Yoruba is just uh wow. But actually my my Yoruba bangs on any other occasion. I don't know what's wrong with me today. But anyway. Happy New Year. Happy 2020. Uh, Really glad we made it, fam. We made it, you know. We made it to a whole new fucking year, a whole new fucking decade. Can't even fucking believe it, mate. (laughs) Can't believe it. So uh, who's talking in your ear? Who's chatting in your ear? Well, it is me, Kelechi. Kelechi Okafo. First of her rascal name. Uh, Yeah, it's Kelechi Okafo and this is SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What. That's right, suck your mum. And this year, you know, I pray that it brings us all wonderful, wonderful blessings, all wonderful, wonderful things. Um, I'm super excited. I don't know what's going to happen this year, but I just pray that it all aligns with my highest good. That's really it, you know. I definitely think that my mood this 2020 is to be a lot more, even more private than before. So if you thought I was private before, fucking hell, watch this year. I'm just going for extreme privacy, um, even with uh, work colleagues and things like that. Because when I'm working with people, I tend to try to be a bit more um, transparent or I share a bit more just so they kind of know the trajectory of the other things that I'm working on. But 
I just genuinely think that some people had bad vibes and their bad vibes kind of taint the other things that you could be working on. So this year I'm just all about like, I don't even call it secrecy, just privacy, um, keeping more to my self. Uh, I feel re-energized. You can hear it in my voice. I feel much better just staying off social media. And you know, the other reason I'm staying off social media as well, right? Like some of you might have, uh, some people might have DMs from me here and there, or I might have clicked like here and there when I've downloaded the app to post things or to do whatever. That reminds me, I've been nominated for a Glow Mama Award for Mum of the Year. I haven't even been a mum for that long. Matting. So if you want to vote for me for Mum of the Year, um, I've been shortlisted. Four of us are left there. If you want to vote for me, I've added the link to the caption, the caption of this episode. So as you're listening, you could just like press the arrow back and look for the caption Uh, why am I not pronouncing that properly fuck um you can look for that and vote for me if you scroll to the bottom of the link like that's where I'll be and for some reason they've put everybody else's full name and they've just put mine Kolechnikov but yeah okay cool maybe people don't know my actual name so yeah you can vote for me on there I mean I don't expect to win it's got it's a category of you know three other amazing women and like I said haven't been a mum for that long but I've been out here in these streets saying what needs to be said so if you want me to have another trophy you know where to vote and it would be greatly appreciated um but what I was saying was that when I another reason I'm staying off social media is because so many people followed me after that whole Instagram deletion and that useless mummy blogger pussy clark they followed me off the back of that and it made me feel really kind of uncomfortable because I know that some people were just there for like the spectacle of it and they were like oh let's see what she tweets about it oh tweets about let's see what she posts on Instagram let's see this let's see that so I've kind of like tried to stay quiet so they can fuck off and I think it's working because the following is going down and I think it will get to a number that's just like stable and Obviously, there'll still be mad people in that melee of following um, or of followers, but it won't be as much as those who have just come to kind of also some of them have come to be combative as well, because I know that the um, mother of demons, I think she deleted or deactivated rather her account. And I think it's a smart move if you think about it, because I feel like she's done that to kind of garner more sympathy and obviously stop her following going down. Um, because that was, you know, a declining at a mad rate because obviously she moved mad. But I think that she's done that also so, so people could um, want her to return and almost beg her. So smart business move, to be honest. But yeah, the whole reason I'm kind of the other reason I'm kind of staying quiet is because I just want. Um, yeah, I just want the pussy class to disappear a little bit more. So. Um, yeah, so I'm not getting mad DMs and people wanting to come and bring their whataboutery into my life. I don't have time for it. So, yeah, that's that. But yeah, more secrecy. No, not secrecy, more privacy rather this year, definitely, because I feel like I share a lot and I don't even share that much. That's what's mad. I think I talk about generally on social media and on this podcast, I think I talk maybe about like a tenth of my life maybe a 20th of my life but still I feel like even that's too much because people and their bad vibes but definitely feel more energized definitely optimistic about what this year holds um 
really just focusing, focusing and and doing all that needs to be done to evolve as much as I can. And I know that I think Neptune um, is making a transition in my life. And I think that happens, what, every 19 years or something. This is my Higihaga astrology, by the way. Um, and so lots of th- things and emotions are coming up for me at the moment that I don't think I experienced. Um, I think I experienced last, like around 2000, 2001. Um, and that was a very tempestuous time in my teenage years. So uh, it's about honouring those feelings that come up and, and checking if I've um, evolved from that cycle and what am I still holding on to and what I still need to let go. So, um, yeah, I'm focusing on that. And this year, I, I really do want to listen to more podcasts, like other people's podcasts as well. Like I listen to the ones that I like, like Esther Perel. Uh, that one's called uh, Where Should We Begin by Esther Perel. I really um, enjoy that. Uh, I obviously listen to Super Soul Conversations, The Receipts and so many um, other podcasts here and there. But um, yeah, this year I want to listen to way more. Like I, um, yeah, I, I really want to hear what everyone else is saying, see what everyone else is, you know, what everyone else is about and that. So along with doing that, I need to get back to reading way more books. I think pregnancy and childbirth and subsequently motherhood has meant that my reading has gone way down. Right now I'm busy learning lines so for the project I'm doing next week, so I'm busy learning lines at the moment. But once I finish learning my lines, I'm going to be reading, reading loads more, definitely. But my for the, the time I was off line, I had a really nice Christmas. It was really vibey, quiet. I had some friends around. I was I love cooking. For those who don't know, I'm I really really enjoy cooking. And one day maybe I'll have um, a cookbook. Uh, yeah, that'll be sick. But a, a cookbook done differently, though, it'll have swear words in that, and I'll say what the fuck I want in my cookbook, and nobody will tell me any different. So, yeah, I had friends round. I made uh, really, really nice food, and I experimented by making uh, by making a plantain pie. Uh, it went down a storm. Like it, I didn't know that it was going to bang so severely. I am so proud of me. Like wow. Wow. Because the first time I tasted plantain pie was when I went to the Suya Spot event because they, you know, they have their um, events, occasional events here and there. And I tasted it there and I was just like, what is this? And nobody obviously wanted to share their recipe and whatever. And I wasn't able to have it any other time because whenever they had an event on I had to be somewhere else I, I also had an event that I had to be at. And then the one time I could make it that I arrived to like on time for what was advertised as the start time, they weren't even set up and they were like, oh, well, you can come back later. And these times I was nearing the end of um, the pregnancy. So I was just like, I'm not going to come back out of my house um, when the event hasn't started yet. And who knows who's going to be there, like bad vibes people. So uh, I just wanted to get my food, so I didn't end up getting it. So when I was having this dinner party recently, I just thought, you know what? Use your brain, Kalechi. Use your brain. How would you go about making this if you were making it? And I did. And when I tell you my pastry was incredible, the plantain mixture that I made for the filling for the pie was amazing. Like, I'm so proud of me. Fucking hell. That was that was a brilliant dessert. And I made like my um 
my signature fried chicken as well. Yeah, so I've had um, a chill time. I think sometimes when you're not online, people think the worst. But no, I just couldn't be bothered with other humans and all the shouty, shouty nature and the pretend glamour of social media. Uh, but I see that lots of people had fun in Ghana. Like, big up yourselves. Big up yourselves. Year of the return and that. Like, you guys had a great time. It looked wonderful. I'm just glad people were happy and doing what serves them best anyway let's get into I think that's enough of me like chatting and I'm sure I haven't even said all of the things I actually need to say because I always remember after the fact after I've recorded the podcast that oh I should have said that but let's get into the tarot anyway so the tarot I asked what are the lessons or what is the direction, what's the message um, that we should be focusing on for the start of this year. And the first card that like flew out was the nine of wands. And in the nine of wands, we see a figure um, having planted like nine wands into the ground. And then they're holding, well, they've planted eight wands into the ground and they're holding the ninth one. And you can see that they've got bandages around their hands and a bandage around their heads so they've been working hard they've been working hard like slogging away um at getting their defenses up or building this fortress up around themselves and they're almost there you know it's not ten of wands it's nine of wands um so they're almost there with finishing this fortress and i think the first message from that is that you know we've been working hard just because um you know things might feel different or it might not feel the way that we envisage doesn't mean that our hard work has been um um, unseen by you know by the spirit guides by god you know our efforts have, have definitely definitely been recognized and this fortress is strong that we've built everything about it is robust but sometimes also remember that whatever you build to keep people out will also keep you in so ask yourself the reason, the motivations for building what you've built. Is it truly um, um, a fortress that you can go in and out of, but is there to serve you and is to serve as, um, you know, a safe space for you and for other people maybe? Have you built it so it can also um, support and um, accommodate other people? Or have you built it simply to lock yourself in because then that's a lonely time, isn't it? So you've built this fortress, you've worked so, so hard and you're bruised and battered, but you did it, you did it, you built this thing and it is wonderful. Like you've, you've put the work in to have it where it is now. So you have to remember to stand your ground. There's no point in building something that's robust only for you to be the one that's chipping away at it. If you've built it, leave it there. Like it is strong. It is strong. And there are battles coming. There are battles along the way throughout the year. Like nobody said that this was going to be an easy ride. There are definitely battles and things along the way, but you'll be able to withstand them because what you've built in the run up to this can sustain that can can withstand that so you don't have to worry about that only you can be the one to chip away at what you have built and I think that that's an important thing as well like um like I said channeling the energy of Beyonce I know that sometimes um people that I don't chat to block or whatever will come online and want to air their grievances and they'll be chatting as if they really really know me and they want people on side and before I'd come out and say something and be like you're this you're that you're an idiot you're whatever you're sad but then recently I was just like you know what that's your truth innit all of you man who are vexed that's your truth and 
as wonderful as people are out here and with all the things that they've created and, you know, and who they are and what they've contributed, there will always be someone who wants to chat wreck. You have to let people chat wreck because you have to trust that what you've built is strong enough to withstand all of the fuckery that they can try and throw at it. So I think that that's important to know. Only I can chip away at my greatness. None of you, man, can chip away at my greatness, no matter how, you know, how hard or how how sturdy whatever it is that you're trying to throw at what I've built, it can't knock it down because it's been reinforced by God. Like I built my greatness on the ground that God had chosen for me. Therefore, nothing can move it. Nothing can move it. None of you, man, can move it. So just remember that. And that's, you know, for all of us to remember that as long as you've built on the ground that God has chosen specifically for you, there's nobody that could come and knock whatever the fuck you've built. They can try. I mean, you know, it's good exercise for them um, because I know that a lot of people definitely need it. You know, we should be getting our 150 hours of physical activity and that. So if they want to use their 150 hours of um, recommended physical activity on um, chatting shit and throwing nonsense your way, then let them, as long as it helps them to get healthier, then, you know, it is what it is. Um, the card that comes out next after that, yeah, that was Shade, actually, in case you missed it. Um, the card that comes out after that is the Sun. The Sun card comes out and that's a major arcana card. So we're dealing with a minor arcana card and the Nine of Wands, which is saying like, this is what should be expected of the day-to-day in our life. But the Sun card speaks to, you know, the bigger energies like the bigger life energies and basically um that's just for me it's just like when you see the sun card you see a face like a smiley face like in the teletubbies but it's not a baby's face if it's like an older person's face so it just lets me feel like god is watching over the hard work that you're doing in the day-to-day and there's a little child riding on a horse as well, holding a red flag of success and, you know, abundance. Um, and there are sunflowers in the background as well. So to me, it's just like everything is blooming as it should. And like God is watching over all of your endeavours and the ones that are in alignment with your highest good will continue to blossom. And that's all you've got to kind of focus on and focus on. And for me personally, when I see like the little child on the horse, I just think about the fact that all of the hard work that I'm putting in now is so I can be the best kind of parent for my child. Um, you know, financially, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, all of that, like that is my motivation. So you have to decide like, what is your motivation? Like I said earlier, for doing the things that you do for building the fortress that you're building, what is it for? Is it, are you building it in terms of a legacy? You have to be the one to figure that out. And also the next card that comes out is another major arcana, which is the temperance card, which I think came out recently where we've got the black woman who's got one foot in the water and one foot on the land. And again, the sun, is in the background as well so that makes me think um again that you know this is something that's been stressed like you're out of the tunnel that dark place that you were in where you were working away working away you're out of there now and if I think about like um pregnancy as well like you know the baby's growing in the dark basically and then it comes out into the light and has to accustom to a new day you know to a new world and I think that that's what it's like for a lot of us, like metaphorically, we've been in the dark place doing this work, working away, working away. And now we've gone through that birthing process or we might be going through it now, which feels difficult, which feels tough. But then you kind of acclimatize and get used to the world around you and the world that you're going to get used to is a world of abundance and a world of joy. 
um, and a world of happiness. That's not to say that there won't be cloudy days, that there won't be sad days, but overall, like the light is shining on everything that you're doing, but it's about having that balance as well and listening when the spirit is speaking to you about the things and the, um, the steps that you should take next. And um, that's one of my focuses, just being paying more attention to what's being asked of me. And I do that through meditation and things like that and prayer. So I think that that's um, a lesson and to also thank the um, guides, the angels that um, and forces and thank God for, for looking after you. So whether that's a thanksgiving, whether you donate to somebody's charitable cause, you know that there are always people crowdfunding and um, I love donating to a crowdfund. So if you see something that you want to donate to, to say thank you to God for all of the way that God has niced you, then definitely do that. But make sure to say thank you. So for me, shout out Yemoja. Um, you know, the deity I feel who watched over me during my pregnancy. Um, Yamaja is the deity for mothers and children and travel um, as well, also reigning over rivers. Um, so big up Yamaja um, for, for, for looking after me. And, you know, I, I, I think that it's important to kind of say thank you to the deities, all of them collectively that watch over us. That doesn't take anything away from God. These are the people that all the energies that God assigns specific tasks to in terms of nature, go and learn about your um, spiritual systems, please. Make that something that you do in 2020, decolonize your spirituality. Um, and the next card is the Ten of Cups, where we see a family celebrating, um, and it's friendship, this one says to me, because we see um, two women, it looks like from the back, and one is black and one isn't black, and they're playing with children, one is black and one isn't black, and there's a house in the distance and a city in the distance. So I feel like for some people, this might again be moving and there's water running through this as well. So it's this like spirituality, getting used to transcending a specific place that you've existed in spiritually and you're moving to somebody uh, somewhere else or you might just be moving, but it's, you're moving to fulfill your dreams of what it means to what home means, what family means to you. You're trying to decide on that and decipher that this year. And I think that that's definitely um, a big uh, uh celestial journey that I'm on defining what is home defining what is family for myself um and creating it out of something that I don't think has existed for me before and that might be the same for many people and then the card that came out from the say your mind affirmation card deck also um a note to people who listen to the podcast there'll be a new deck of cards out at some point this year sometime soon um there'll be a new deck of cards different to this one but funny and um great so uh, be on the lookout for that and again I'll make them limited editions so if you miss them again that is literally your personal problem uh, but the same mind affirmation card deck the card that came out is putting myself first is healthy we often believe that to constantly put other people before ourselves makes us good people while caring for others is important we can only help others when we have helped ourselves so that's again you know I think it ties back to um, all of the cards really what are you building your fortress for? Are you building it first and foremost for yourself to, to benefit yourself? What are you doing it for? Because if you're not truly doing it for out of love for yourself, you're only going to keep yourself locked in, therefore reinforcing all the negative views and stories you tell yourself and the world tells you about yourself. So you've got to consider that as well. 
And when you put yourself first, you have to put first what you consider to be home, what you consider to be family. Um, and there's that balance again of the temperance card coming out. Like you've got to balance your spiritual and physical existence. All of that is down to you. From the Marcella Kroll deck, I pulled the card number 49, I think it is. Yeah, 49, the soulmate card. And it says here, soulmate. A significant partnership, soul connection, and the meeting of kindred spirits. Drawing this card means you have met a soul-connected re uh, relationship. While this can indicate a romantic connection, it can also signify any relationship meant to work together on a soul level. This partnership is special. Learn from each other, be good to each other, and be in gratitude for the connection. Even our perceived adversaries are profound soulmate connections. You can always draw another card for clarity around the purpose of your connection. Meditate on this symbol when you want to connect a deeper soul level on a deeper soul level with friends, family or companions can also be used to call in a soulmate relationship. Um, I feel like that card is important because I've heard some chats before um, about soulmates. And I think that one of the problems is that people perceive soulmates to be romantic relationships. Soulmates aren't just about romance. Like, please don't limit your life in 2020 to simply thinking about everything through the filter of romance in terms of... Um, you know, uh, romantic, intimate relationships or whatever. Like, consider that um, there are so many other things at play. Consider that soulmates are the people that you are, um, even the people that you can't fucking stand, they're also your soulmates because they're, I guess, reflecting to you something about your soul that you need to be aware of. That's not to say that you deserve any fuckery that they do, but they do highlight something in you. So like I said earlier, like people will move mad. Um, they like mostly to do it online to me and when they claim that they know me or whatever. And sometimes things will be sent to me like, oh, collection such and such said this and I'll read it. And I'll be like, this person's clearly a fucking idiot, like clearly wounded, clearly needs to go and do some work on themselves. But why is this pissing me off? And I have to sit down and address why it's pissing me off. Why? Because I don't like people chatting shit. Um, about me I don't like people chatting shit that isn't true whatever whatever you look at it and you've that's also a soulmate connection even those annoying fucking people are part of your soul's journey like you at some you knew that they were going to come in at some point and it's about learning the lesson that you need to learn from that interaction to move on to where you need to go next and I think that I'm definitely learning because whereas before I would want to fire off like I said fire back kind of looked at it and I was just like yeah they're clearly wounded um clearly don't like the boundaries I've set clearly don't like the mission that I'm on in this life or whatever the case might be whatever it is they clearly don't like something it's got nothing to do with me I've got to continue doing me I've got to continue striving for what I um intend on in this life and and that is the lesson that is the lesson of not being distracted by the noise of the market stop being distracted by the noise of the market and so I feel like I'm definitely learning that and reacting less and less to things that I see that are annoying um and that's not to say that sometimes I just won't fire off but I think that that's why it's good that I do all the activities that I do because the kind of energy that I might have I just go and burn it off like doing other things and minding my business and drinking my water so Consider that soulmates are more than just people you're trying to fuck. Like soulmates are way more than that. They go beyond that. And everybody that you've encountered is essentially a soulmate because they've come to teach you something about your soul. Like you've called them to you to teach you something about your soul. Um, 
you don't have to, I think, again, one of the other misconceptions is that when you meet someone that you perceive to be your soulmate, like because you have that connection or whatever and you feel it and it's romantic, it doesn't mean you have to marry them. You don't have to marry your soulmates because sometimes that is a problem in itself. Um, just because somebody's your soulmate doesn't mean that they're meant to be there forever. Some people come for five minutes, five hours, five months, five lifetimes, you know, let it be what it will be. You can't control that. Nayi Rawahid actually has a poem about that, which is hilarious to me that Rupi Kaur was um, um, said to be poet of the decade when I feel like, in my opinion, I feel like she plagiarised a lot of her um, work from Naira, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I don't know why I thought to throw that in, but I just wanted to say that. Anyway, so that's it for the tarot let's move into share your magnificence which is very very brief actually i just wanted to big up my girl elise who's going to be on sas on you know sas the show on channel four sas who dares wins uh, it's when they get civilians together and put them through the training that they put the spe- uh, that they put the special forces through and elise is going to be on that i first met elise when um I was doing the fitness test and going through the stages to be on Special Forces Ultimate Hell Week that was on BBC Two, I think in 2016. So I met Elise when I was doing that and we were all doing the fitness test where I was just abysmal when it came to the swimming bit, but I made it through the swimming god. Anyway, we kind of hit it off from there. Um, I really liked her vibe, um, really really liked her vibe and I'm really really happy for her really proud that now she's actually in one of these series and arguably she's in the better one sorry ultimate hell week I think she might be she's in the better one um well it's carried on going definitely um and I don't think special forces has I know that they've made one kind of episode in Ireland for some Irish tv channel but um yeah man Elise like I can't wait to see how well you do I know that you'll do great um uh, it's on from tonight, which is Sunday that I'm recording this. So I'm going to watch it now. Actually, well, this evening I'll watch that. And um, yeah, big up yourself, man, because those uh, competitions aren't easy. It was Special Forces changed my life. Special Forces Ultimate Hell, um, Hell Week changed my life because I never knew I was capable of doing all of those things. And to get flown out to South Africa and to have that experience, like I'm so fucking proud of me and I still think back to that sometimes when something feels difficult I'm like fam like you did that like you went to South Africa and you were beasted you had a bag put over your head and water poured over your head on top of the bag like you were basically being waterboarded um, and you made it through that you were tied outside tied up outside for hours on end um, you got hypothermia and you still made it through that so it's not an easy thing so big up Elise for making it um, into this series of um, SAS Who Dares Wins Um, I know she'll do wonderfully well I'm just super proud of her so that's that for Shea Your Magnificence and I can't wait to jump into the fuckery that is so you mad obviously I'm sorry Elise two slaps on your chest never forget that sorry about that because I know if I forget one of you baby boys baby girls or baby non-binaries be like Kalechi you didn't say so yes I said it now so you can calm your knickers down thanks so much so anyway moving into so you mad properly this time uh Macron the guy that reps um France France's mandem France's main man has said um 
if you don't get what I'm saying, French, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, he's an idiot as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, he's made a statement saying that colonialism was a grave mistake. And he went to Abidjan recently, um, which is in the Ivory Coast. He went there um, and when he was giving a speech, he said... Um, hegemonic um was it france was often viewed as having a hegemonic view um, and the trappings of colonialism that was a grave mistake and a fault of the republic um so the first statement is like i feel like he's making out like other people perceive france to have made a lot of money and to have made um their country great by colonialism and i don't know whether he's saying that that's a mistake of people misunderstanding France's identity, but we haven't mistaken France's identity. That's literally what you did, you fuckers. But anyway, he goes on to say, I belong to a generation which was not part of the colonial era. Yeah, but you're still benefiting from it. Again, you pussy clark, you're still benefiting from what's happened and you're still the one making statements like Africans should stop having babies. Like you're really out here advocating for um, population control, as you call it, um, for African countries when you're not focusing on yourself. Like that is not the reason that you, um, that, that pollution and the earth is the way that it is. Go and deal with the fact that you keep wanting to make artillery, um, you keep wanting to make guns and all of these things for war deal um talk about the nuclear power stations that you man have talk about the cars being built talk about all of that talk about the way that milk um, meat is consumed and produced in this talk about all of those things like don't be talking about um africans having babies as being the the thing that needs to be sought um sorted in order for the earth to not have such pressure put on it fuck off so he says, the African continent is a young continent. Again, you're a dickhead. You're an absolute dickhead because Africa is not a young continent. It existed well long before you were doing what you're doing. Yeah. When you're looking at remains of Peter, or, or, of, of life, where did you find it? Was it not on the African continent? So what young continent is there? And this is the way that people, um, Europe, um, the formal, um, I want to say former um, colonizers, but I feel like they're still current colonizers talk about Africa in this diminutive sense. Like, oh, Africa's so young. African doesn't know what it's doing. Africa's an infant. Fuck you. You stole from Africa, stunted its growth, and now you're peddling lies, you fucking idiots. And then he goes on to say, three fourths of your country, talking about Ivory Coast, never knew colonialism. Um, build a new partnership of friendship with France. Nobody should build any friendship or partnership with France because France is mad. And he said, um, during his election campaign, he apparently said that France's colonization of Algeria is a crime against humanity. But notice how he won't mention, mention Haiti. Nobody wants to talk about Haiti. Talk about what you man did to Haiti. You can talk about Algeria, but France Fanon has, has already addressed that. Talk about what you man did to Haiti, but you can't. You can't. So he said um, in the 2017 uh, TV interview, he said France, uh, French actions in Algeria, which achieved independence in 1962 after eight years of war, were genuinely barbaric and, a, and constitute a part of our past that we have to con confront by apologising. Nobody wants your apology. What we want is reparations, reparations, reparations for the African nations. That's what we want. And not just the African nations, the diaspora. Yeah, the, you, that's what we want it for. But um, yeah, I just think it's mad how France tries to pretend like they, they're not holding Haiti in some mad debt. 
like some stupid debt that's non-existent or because they had the audacity to say that they don't want to be ruled by France after being colonised by France. But they can acknowledge Algeria because Algeria is still falling under manners as far as I'm concerned. They can acknowledge Algeria, but they won't acknowledge Haiti. They won't acknowledge all of the places that they've hurt so badly with their actions. Um so if you want to truly apologise, if you think that colonialism and all of that was truly barbaric, pay back the money that you stole. Pay back all of the things. Give back all of the things that you stole. Pay back the money and also stop treating non-white people in France as if they're like, I would say, third-rate citizens. Like you're here banning the burqa, banning this, banning that, but you're talking about, oh, that was barbaric. You're still being barbaric right now. Like literally right now you're still moving mad. So what about that? So Macron is an idiot as far as I'm concerned. He's, he's, he's not to be trusted. Anyway, moving on to my next So You Mad. My next So You Mad um, is about a youth club. So there's a youth club in South Acton that um, was moved from where it was initially on this council estate. It was moved from there because they were going to knock down the council estate and they moved it into this place that's um, much smaller in these new block of um, flats, you know, the the new brand new build flats, they moved it to the bottom of there and the residents are complaining because they'd rather it were a, copy, um, a coffee shop, which goes to show you that humans are pussyclats, like humans are genuinely mad and have nobody to tell them. So it says here, Bola Brook Youth Centre, credited with saving children from knife crime, is at a centre of a gentrification row. A London youth club credited with saving children from rising knife crime violence is facing calls for its closure from new residents who think it would be better used as a coffee shop. The Bola Brook Youth Centre in South Acton, which serves some of the poorest and most vulnerable children in London, is embroiled in a gentrification row with residents demanding the council close it down and remove it from the area, claiming it has been dumped on them causing nothing but problems the bolo has long operated on the council estate but earlier this year its standalone premises were demolished and it was moved into a space half the size as part of the 800 million regeneration um, 800 million pound regeneration project rebranding south acton council estate as acton gardens um, building an extra one point real uh, sorry, building an extra one thousand five hundred private homes and reducing the number of flats for social rent by two hundred and eighty. The shrinking of the club is part of a national trend. MPs have found a growing link between cuts to youth clubs and knife crime in England, where there has been a fifty one percent drop in the number of council supported youth centres since two thousand eleven, and a forty two percent drop in youth service staff. But I'm just going to pause to say that, but I say this all the time on this fucking podcast, yeah. I say this all of the time. You want to put more police out on the streets. You want to do this. You want to do that. You want to build more prisons. You want to do this. You want to do that. You're not addressing where this where we could avoid all of this fuckery by just letting us have these youth centres for young people. When they have a sense of community, when they can define what they consider to be home in the community that they exist within, then they wouldn't be doing all of this stuff. They'd have somewhere safe to be. They'll have people who can look after them and watch over them. But you're taking away all of these things. They're spilling out onto the streets. They're feeling disillusioned. They're feeling jaded. And then people are out here stabbing each other. Um, and then you're just like, oh, well, the way to deal with this is to lock them into prisons and and, and to throw away the key. You don't want, you, I feel like this is when I, this is why I say that things like this are intentional, because if it wasn't intentional, you know that one of the ways to deal with this is to give 
the young people back their things, but you don't want to do that. And that's what bothers me the most about it. Anyway, it goes on to say the shrinking of the club is part of a national... Um, I've read that. The number of people using the club has barely dropped. That means the same number of people are coming to a place that's now half the size. Um, and young people regularly spill out of the premises, which aggravates neighbours who complain it attracts gangs, fighting and drug use. They have launched a petition asking the London Borough of Ealing to move it and repurpose the space as a tumble dryer facility for residents, a private library and an internet facility or a coffee shop. That just goes to show you the violence of gentrification, how people can turn around and be like, no, I don't care about these fucking black monkeys that need a place to play around and 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 um, all of these um, non-white children, or even some of the white children don't care about them having somewhere to play. Don't give a shit. Um, I want a coffee shop. I want a, a, a laundrette. I want this. I want that. What about their future? What about their sense of home? What about their sense of community? You don't care about that because you're just thinking about you. And I hope the coffee is shit. Should you get your coffee shop? I hope that the coffee is shit. And then you sit on the toilet for days because the coffee was shit. And therefore it's running out of your system, you dickheads. So it just really bothers me because then they cite drug use. And they love citing drug use when they're talking about everybody else. But what about you, man? How much drugs you use when you go to your festivals? How much cocaine you actually snort in your homes? You've made it such a casual thing. You're not thinking about drug use when you're texting um, one of the blacks that you met down the street to ask them if they can get you weed. You're not thinking about drug use then. You only think about drug use when you're trying to racialize and and denigrate um, um, and racially profile um, other people that you don't approve of. It's, it's fucking mad. It's mad. Um, users of the club said that they are angry at the petition and argued it would only aggravate the situation. And they said they should be ashamed that they haven't tried to find the underlying reasons of what they're complaining about, said Ayana18, who said that attending the club um, attending the club saved her life. Exactly. Like, find the underlying reasons for what you're complaining about. You're complaining that they're spilling out onto the street. Why are they spilling out onto the street? Because they've been pushed into a, a new space that's half the size of the old space that they had. Why are we building all of these homes, these fancy homes, when we could just spend a little bit of that money and build community centres in all of these boroughs? in all the areas in all of these boroughs that people can go to that young people can go to that have state-of-the-art facilities that will keep them busy why why don't we have that why don't we have workshops running in these community centers that will help them this is what we're talking about like helping them to be good citizens i don't you know in the broader sense of the word like giving them things that will help them so they can be contributing in a, in a manner that's conducive to a healthy society like they can be doing that if you just put things in place that would allow them to do it so why don't we have more community centers you're knocking them down building fancy new um, apartments that people have to privately rent that the uh, the rent and whatever else will be sky high you're building all of those things because you're just thinking about your pocket but you're not thinking about their future and that is why I should be mayor of London because I just feel like I get what needs to happen, but obviously I don't want to be mayor of London. I've got other things to do. But um, they go on to say, it's very inconsiderate to make a petition when you don't know the individual stories of every single person that goes to the youth centre, the impact it has on our lives, she said. They think closing this centre is going to help them. It's going to make it worse um, it's going to make it 10 times worse. See, Ayana, who's 18 years old, is telling you fucking idiots what's so plain for everybody else to see. If you keep getting rid of youth centres, 
this disenfranchised youth are going to have to find something else to do to occupy their time. And that's when you're going to have more groups of people, not gangs, but groups of young people gathered around the streets. And yes, there's likely to then be increased levels of gang activity because all of these predators that want them to come and work for them are are there just, you know, scouring the streets, prowling the streets, looking for them, trying to get them to move drugs or do this and move that for them. You're the one that's going to create the thing, the very thing that you're scared of. You're the one that's going to create it. And that's what a lot of you don't understand. And that's why you're stupid fucking idiots. Um, yeah, it just really, really... Um, bothered me but someone one of the other young people said um we didn't want to move here in the first place um i think his name he says his name's leon he says we didn't want to move here in the first place we had our little space and we got hoodwinked um i feel sorry for the people who got tricked into buying a house here for seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds they've been sold that this is going to be the next booming area when really there's still the core problems of south acton here a lot of people are dying out here man a lot of people are getting stabbed and it says here, South Acton is top 10% of England's most deprived areas. In the last three months, there have been three fatal stabbings of young men in Acton and neighbouring Ealing. Earlier this year, two boys who attended the Bolo, Yusuf Mohammed, 18, and Ayub Hassan, 17, were fatally stabbed in separate incidents. The club was a refuge for the victims um, of two other knife attacks recently. One young man was knifed in the leg in a nearby street and found his way to the club where he collapsed but was treated despite um, bleeding heavily. Another young man riding a scooter said he was struck on um, on the helmet with a sword. If the blow had been a couple of inches lower, it would have sliced into his neck. He look, took cover in a courtyard area um, at the rear of the club that was overlooked by the apartments and reportedly was shouted at by neighbours because he should not have been there. Think of how sick somebody must be to see somebody bleeding or to see somebody just there and you're saying to them, get out of here, get out of here. Like, this is why we don't see much sympathy for even the Grenfell fire because you, man, just hate poor people. You hate black and brown people. You hate poor black and brown people. Like, you just hate them so much and you're going to be the one to suffer at the end of the day. And also, fuck the council for thinking that you can just rename something and then all the problems go again, um, go away. Oh, yeah, this is no longer South Acton. This is now Acton Gardens. Yeah, Acton Gardens and all the flowers smell like shit. All the flowers are drenched in blood because you're not sorting out the problems of what's happening there in the first place. And that's what makes you guys dickheads. <sighs> so that's what I wanted to say about that, basically. Um, and then... In California, so we're going to jump all the way to California. Ooh, knows how to party. I haven't been to California, actually, so I don't know if they actually do know how to party or if that's actually an incorrect statement. Basically, California has officially banned discrimination against natural hair. It says here a new law took effect in California with the rest with um, the start of the new year that seeks to ban discrimination against natural hair in workplaces and schools. The legislation dubbed the Crown Act officially adds hair based discrimination associated with race to the state's anti-discrimination law. The measure states that workplace policies prohibiting natural hair, including afros, braids, twists and locks um, have a disparate um, impact on black individuals as these policies are more likely to deter black applicants and burden um, or punish black employees than any other group. 
Acting in accordance with the constitutional values of fairness, equity and opportunity for all, the legislature recognises that continuing to enforce a Eurocentric image of professionalism through purportedly race-neutral grooming policies that disparately um, impact black individuals and exclude them from some workplaces is in direct opposition to equity and opportunities for all. And it says here, the history of our nation is riddled with laws and societal norms that equated blackness and the associated physical traits, for example, dark skin, kinky and curly hair, to a badge of inferiority, sometimes subject to separate and unequal treatment, it adds. This idea also permeated societal understandings of professionalism, professionalism, it continues. Professionalism was and still is closely linked to European features and mannerisms, which entails that those who do not naturally fall into Eurocentric norms must alter their um, appearances sometimes drastically and permanently in order to be deemed professional according to wherever wherever, uh, california governor gavin newsom who signed off on the measure in july said the issue got widespread attention in 2018 after the story of a high school wrestler andrew johnson was made national headlines in a footage that went viral johnson could be seen getting his locks cut during a meet which is a competition um according to the network the new jersey high school student had been told by a referee that he would not be allowed to wrestle in the match unless he cut his locks the incident drew widespread backlash online and eventually led to the referee's suspension new jersey new jersey's governing body of the state's high school sports um also had recommended that the local referee be fired shortly after the controversy Anti-blackness is everywhere, like racism is everywhere. So no matter how much certain men in this country, as in Britain, try to conflate what racism is to meet their ends during political campaigns, we all truly know what racism is in the essence that it is anti-black. You've got schools here in the UK that are still banning children having um, cane rolls or cutting their hair in a particular way. I would like to see the motherfucker that will tell me how I'm going to cut Lev's hair when he's going to school because my foot will be in your throat with expediency. Trust that. Because it's just wild to me that we don't even realise the ways that we've been um, socialised into what we consider to be good hair you know, um, and it's all based on Eurocentric ideals. And, you know, I've got to be honest and say, I don't miss my wig, you know, sorry to that wig. I don't miss it. That's not to say that any other person that's wearing their wigs and living their best life should feel any different. Like, do you, my Gs, because you guys are out here looking cute and I rate it and I rate it, but I don't miss it. I don't miss it because I just want my features and if you're going to appreciate me you're going to appreciate me for my features and if that isn't um instagram like worthy then your mum's pussy isn't instagram like worthy and that's why it deserves a straw and you can go and suck it out you know i want to exist in the world as how i look that's not to say that I won't add certain things like, you know, when I had my faux locks and stuff, I love a faux lock, but anything that I want to do in terms of stylings for a little while, I think will look more Afrocentric because I want to celebrate that. You know, that's what I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate that. And I feel like a little bit sad when I see how everyone is talking about Blue Ivy's hair now, because I don't think it's dissimilar to how they were talking about Blue and Blue Ivy's hair when she was younger and I don't even know, I think I probably joined in in that fuckery. God forgive me, Lord. But I don't tweet like mad things. Um, but yeah, I just think that 
people are out there going, oh, why isn't Blue Ivy's hair done? Why isn't Blue Ivy's hair done? Because you, man, are out here dragging your the follicles of your three-year-old ch- uh, child's hair from early and then you're wondering why they have a receding hairline by the time that they're 22 years old, you know? Maybe some people wouldn't be wearing wigs if they still had edges. How about that? And I'm not even dragging because at the end of the day, postpartum um, or higgy haga means that my hair is falling out. Like postpartum shedding means that I've got hair falling out the front of my edges. So I'm not even dragging anyone, to be honest. I'm just saying in it. I'm just stating a fact. So everyone's like, oh, why is she, she doing blue, blue Ivy's hair? Why isn't she doing this? Why isn't she doing that? And I think she must have gotten a hairdresser. Beyonce, that is, the she. She'd gotten a hairdresser and Blue Ivy had her hair all cute henceforth now we see a picture on new year's day or whatever with megan the stallion and beyonce and blue ivy and blue ivy's hair's clearly been like straightened and i think pressed but maybe just straightened like blown out and it looks really pretty it looks really really nice but what bothers me is the way that people were tweeting like ah oh, all of you that were talking shit about blue ivy's hair look how nice it is now look how it's grown while your edges are still nappy while your edges are still this and while you're da 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 and like you're still doing the same thing you're still trying to create a hierarchy from what hair black hair should look like like can you not see that you're still contributing to the fuckery and why is it that her hair is prettier or you deem it to be prettier when it's straight have you asked yourself that ask yourself why you're so obsessed with the length of blue ivy's hair like wow it's so long ask yourself all of those things i remember reading some kind of interview with kim kardashian and she was talking about how um north likes her hair straightened and how she gets it straightened for special occasions and da, 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 and now she wants it straightened even when it's not a special occasion and i'm just thinking you've been raising this girl to basically believe that her curly hair is unattractive and it's a it's a treat when she gets to like what assault her hair with heat like you've you're raising her to believe that that's a thing and and that is beautiful so of course that she's going to want to go that way she's looking at how you have your hair and she's wanting to emulate what you look like so these are all the problems that are there like it, it just yeah it really bothered me the way that people were talking about blue ivy's hair and this is why i say like the natural hair community that whole gang 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 to me, it's problematic and it's very, colorism is rife because the people who get the biggest deals have the lighter skin, have the looser curls. So I don't really fuck with it. And I just can't stand the way that every fucking person is obsessed with length. Like, oh, length check, length check. Go and length check. Let me not be rude. I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say it. I'm not. I'm, this 2020, I'm just going to be a good girl. I'm going to be a baby girl. I'm going to be so cute. I'm going to be so polite. I'm not even going to say mad things. But the length check thing is wild because it's that obsession that you've got to prove that black people aren't bald. Oh my God, black people have hair. We know black people have hair. And if non-black people don't believe that black people have hair, that's their fucking problem, not ours. Toni Morrison keeps saying time and time again that all of this racism, it, it exists to distract us. Like, why are you bothered by what people are saying? Yeah, let them say what they want because at the end of the day, it's them that's going to go and get fillers to have lips that look like ours. It's them that's going to go and get their bums done to have any sort of thing to have cushioning when they sit down yet they still can't twerk it and they look like convulsing they look like expired chickens like it's them that's struggling to emulate us can you not see that yet it's like oh no I've got to prove to them that I've got hair I've got to prove I ain't got to prove to any motherfucking body that I've got hair and I know like I've got some um white students who always 
I don't know if they feel like it's some way of kind of building rapport with me will say to me, oh, your hair is different today. Oh, I like what you've done with your hair here. Where did you do this? I don't want to chat about my hair with you with all with all due respect, which there isn't much like my hair is not a conversation for us to have while you are white and I am black. It's none of your business. Even if you want to talk about it on some kind of general, I don't want to discuss it with you. There are just some things I just don't discuss with white people and my hair is one of them. Yeah. Like go and discuss it with somebody else that's got time. So I just think that, you know, having to prove all of this is mad and it's sad to kind of see how um, people came out in their droves to come and commend Blue Ivy on having this lovely hair. And then obviously you've got then, I think it was a black guy and a white woman. Um, is it the lady that um, does something with Harper's Bazaar? I could be wrong. But they now came out to come and say how oh, how unfortunate it is that Blue Ivy has the face that she has. You're talking about a child, you know. You fucking idiots are talking about a child and lo and behold, a black man is there chatting shit. Yeah, he came by later on to come and apologise. But, oh, I'm, am I surprised? Am I surprised that he's disappointed that she's got Jay-Z's features? So you're disappointed that she has features that would be deemed generally as, like, black features, like her nose, her lips, like you're dis- disappointed because what did you want her to look at? Like, more Eurocentric and that's not to say just, um, you, you know, just white people, for instance, have um, like straight noses and this and that. But when we're, when we're talking about what is presented to us generally in the media, Blue Ivy's face isn't fitting with that. And that is what they have a problem with. And you guys, fully grown adults, are making jokes about a child, a child's face. Can you not see how your life is already over? Some of you have made it into this new year, but your you, you your energetic force hasn't. You're just a carcass that's made it into this year. You're a walking carcass. You're a zombie that's made it into this year because there's no life force within you. There can't be when you move this mad. There can't be when you chat such shit. So, yeah, it just, you know, it really, really aggravated me to see that. And then going off that as well, seeing the way that people were behaving towards um, Ari Lennox, where I still need to listen to an actual Ari Lennox song. Sorry, I'm yet to do this. But, um, yeah, the way that they were behaving towards her making a um, commenting on the comment that was made about her and her features again, anti-black comments again, it's black men that were out here talking about, well, you know, why are we being attacked? Why are we being attacked? You know, what can't, we can't just state views anymore. What views are there? What views are there when they're so horrible? And they're untrue. So someone, t- this guy tweeted, um, Ari Lennox and Tiana Taylor's ability to have dangerously high sex appeal while, sim- while simultaneously looking like Rottweilers um, will always amaze me. And Ari um, quote tweeted it and she says, people hate blackness so bad. And it's had 26,000 retweets and 123,000 um, likes. And someone commented underneath and they said, not just black people, um, not just people, black men hate blackness on women so bad. And I don't see any fucking lie there. I don't see any lie there. Like you man will sit online and and when you want to cuss a black woman, a dark skinned black woman, you will liken her to um, a football player, a black football player. I remember I was doing um, a performance once and I was playing the mean, like the bitch, basically I was playing the bitch in this play um it was a small play in a um in this bar i think on near shoreditch or whatever and this was years ago and because i was playing this bitch and i was playing her so well some guys in the audience thought that they could make comments like oh from when she looks like a footballer why is she trying to move to somebody else's man and i just thought 
but this, all of this, all of this energy, but you are the same kind of people that will be jumping into people's DMs. That's not to say that it justifies anything, but it's to say that you still feel sexually attracted to the things that you're chatting shit about. And yeah, people feel sexually attracted to people that they hate. I know all of that, but it's just weird how this mind fuck thing happens. So this guy saying that, wow, Tiana Taylor and Ari Lennox um, have this dangerously high sex appeal while simultaneously looking like Rottweilers is like, of course, people push hypersexuality onto black women, onto darker skinned black women specifically, because when it's lighter skinned black women, they're treated with a gentleness that I don't think is afforded to dark skinned black women. And you can come and argue with me about that because some of you light skinned women, you don't want to hear truth. You don't want to hear word because you're like, no, I have been part of the struggle too. Yeah. No one said that you haven't been part of the struggle, but the struggle differs. And I'm, and I hope that you recognize that. I hope that you see it, you know? So, um, yeah, so they're treated with a gentleness that isn't afforded to darker skinned black women. So yeah, of course you'll find a darker skinned black woman and um, a darker skinned black woman sexy. You you'll find her sexy in a way that isn't humanizing her because again, we we see that you're not humanizing her because you've just likened her to a dog, like literally a dog. And, you know, instead of seeing where Ari Lennox was coming from with all of this, black men were jumping up at the droves to be like, oh my God, oh my God, why are you saying this? We're constantly getting attacked. Like my wife is black. I would, but why are you coming to do not all? And, and what about her? Why are you coming to do all of that? Because her point still stands. We see it. You can't gaslight us into not seeing what is clearly before our eyes. And Clarkisha Kent, uh, Kent, she wrote a very um, cool thread about the whole thing. But, um, yeah, not but, she wrote a very cool thread about the whole thing. Um, and she mentioned one of Bell Hooks' books that I um, recently purchased. Um, and you all know I love Bell Hooks. Like, I love her writing. I don't know her personally. But I love Bell Hooks. And um, her book is called... Um, Black Looks, Race and Representation. So I'd recommend it. It's recommended reading for all of you, man, because people are always asking, oh, Kelechi, can you recommend a book? Can you recommend a book? So this is the one I'm reading when I can um, in between Raising Lev, like I ever stopped raising him. But, you know, this is what I'm currently reading. Um, I've got a like a stack of books that I still need to get through. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm reading Black Looks, Race and Representation by Bell Hawks. Chapter one, it says here, loving blackness as a as political resistance. I read that title again. Loving blackness as political resistance. And she quotes Malcolm X here. She says, we have to change our own mind. We have to, um, we've got to change our own minds about each other. We have to see each other with new eyes. We have to come together with warmth. <sighs> and then the chapter goes... The course I teach on black women writers is a consistent favourite among students. The last semester that I taught this course, we had the usual passionate discussion of Nella Larson's novel, Passing. When I suggested to the class, which had been more eager to discuss the desire of black folks to be white, that Claire, the black woman who was passed for white all her adult life and married a wealthy white businessman with whom she has a child, is the only character in the novel who truly desires blackness and that it is this desire that leads to her murder. No one responded. Claire boldly declares that she would rather live for the rest of her life as a poor black woman in Harlem than as a rich white matron downtown. I asked the class to consider the possibility that to love blackness is dangerous in a white supremacist culture, so threatening, so serious a breach in the fabric of the social order that death is the punishment. 
It became painfully obvious by the lack of response that this group of diverse students, many of them black people, were more interested in discussing the desire for black folks to be white, indeed were fixated on this issue, so much so that they could not even take seriously a critical discussion about loving blackness. They wanted to talk about black self-hatred, to hear one another confess, especially to students of colour, in eloquent narratives about the myriad of ways they had tried to attain whiteness, if only symbolically. They gave graphic details about the ways they attempted to appear white by talking a certain way, wearing certain clothing and even choosing specific groups of white friends. Blonde white students uh, seized the opportunity to testify that they had never realised racism had this impact upon the psyches of people of colour until they started hanging out with black friends, taking courses in black studies or reading Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. And better yet, they never realised there was such a thing as white privilege until they developed non-white connections. I left this class of more than 40 students, most of them see themselves as radical and progressive, feeling as though I had witnessed a ritualistic demonstration of the impact white supremacy has on our collective psyches shaping the nature of everyday life, how we talk, walk, eat, dream and look at one another. The most frightening aspect of this ritual was the extent to which their fascination with the discussion about loving blackness. Most folks in this society do not um, want to openly admit that blackness as sign uh, prim primarily evokes in the public um, imagination of whites and all of the other groups who learn um, that one of the quickest ways to demonstrate one's kinship within a white supremacist order is by sharing racist assumptions, hatred and fear. Um, in a white supremacist context, loving blackness is rarely a political stance that is reflected in everyday life. When present, it is deemed suspect, dangerous and threatening. The oppositional black culture that, um, culture that emerged in the context of apartheid and segregation has been one of the few locations that provided a space for the um, kind of decolonization that makes loving blackness possible. Racial integration in a um, social context where white supremacist systems are intact undermines marginal spaces of resistance by promoting the assumption that social, um, social equality can be attained without changes in the culture's attitudes about blackness and black people. Black progressives suffered major disillusionment with white progressives when our experiences of working with them revealed that they could want to be with us, even to be our sexual partners, without divesting of white supremacist thinking about blackness. We saw that they were often unable to let go of the idea that whites are somehow better, smarter, more likely to be intellectuals, and even that they were kinder than black folks. Decolonized progressive black individuals are daily amazed by the extent to which masses of black people, all of whom identify themselves as anti-racist, hold to white supremacist ways of thinking, allowing this perspective to determine how they see themselves and other black people. Many black folks see us as lacking, as inferior when compared to whites. The paucity of scholarly work looking at the issue of black self-hatred, examining the ways in which colonisation and exploitation of black people is reinforced by internalised racial hatred via white supremacist thinking is awesome. Few black scholars have explored extensively black obsession with whiteness. Black theologian James Cone has been one of the few insurgent black intellectuals who has consistently called for critical interrogation of whiteness while simultaneously problematizing constructions of white identity within white supremacist culture. In his early work, A Black Theology of Liberation, Cone 
urges folks to understand blackness as an ontological symbol that is the quintessential signifier of what oppression means in the United States. Cohn calls upon whites, blacks and all other non-black groups to stand against white supremacy by choosing to value, indeed to love blackness, boldly stating his case, Cohn suggests. Most whites, some despite involvements in and protests, do believe in freedom of democracy and they fight to make the ideals of constitution an empirical reality for all. It seems that they believe that if we just work hard enough at it, this country can be what it ought to be. But it never dawn um, dawns on these do-gooders that what is wrong with America is not its failure to make the constitution a reality for all, but rather its belief that persons can affirm whiteness and humanity at the same time. This country was founded for white and everything that has happened in it has emerged from the white perspective. What we need is a destruction of whiteness, which is the source of human misery in the world. I'll stop there before Bell Hooks comes from my clerk because I don't know if you could just be reading out people's work on a podcast like that, but I had to read the whole section so everybody understands. I think it's so easy. Um, and I think that this is what I've always found interesting when you want to have spaces to discuss um, loving blackness as a radical act and things like that, that somehow people just end up talking about whiteness. Same way when you have meetings for women um, or, yeah, women to talk about loving black womanhood, somehow we end up talking about men. And I know that the reason is because we're talking about the obstacles in that are in the way of feeling that love. But if you focus on the obstacles, you will never get to the destination. Like... I think that that's something to consider. So I love that Clark Isha Kent signposted this and it made me go to it to go and actually get reading on this book because it's the conversation is constant online. People wanting to talk only about um, black people hating themselves and self-loathing and that's why they do this and that's why they do that when actually what that's doing is also supporting and affirming white supremacy and its power. We are aware of that. Now let's look at the other ways that we can continue loving ourselves and living our best lives. That's not to dismiss the reality of this um, destructive force within our lives. That's not to dismiss that, it, that it's a thing, but it's to, to look at it being a thing. Look at white supremacy being a thing and being like, okay, so how do I topple this to get what I need to get? I think that that's one of the most important things. And I think that that chapter solely feeds into all of the madness that's happening. So if you are too lazy to re uh, to go back and find out what the title of the book is, I've just said it's Black Looks, Race and Representation by Bell Hooks. So you can read that because I think it accurately describes what we're seeing happening online and the way that people want, nay, demand to move mad. Um, when they're talking about black women but you're not going to stop me you know like I said in my previous episodes I was rather disheartened by the way people want to move like I'm not intelligent like I'm not this uh, incredible business owner this um, social provocateur like like I'm out here doing bits doing bobs it's really interesting the way that even people who want to work with me they tend to think that they're smarter than me and will try to pull moves and I just play dumb most of the time I just let them do what they're doing because I'm like when I strike now everyone will say that Kelechi's mad Kelechi's rude Kelechi's angry Kelechi's this but you were looking for my trouble consistently and I pointed out to you all of the ways that you were looking for my trouble but you didn't want to see it so I'm just going to lean into that you know lean into Kelechi's mean Kelechi's this Kelechi's that because until I use my outside voice some of you refuse to hear me 
And people are always trying to undermine the good works that I'm doing. And I know it's because I'm in black skin and I'm a black woman, but still I rise, you know, like I said, the foundation that I've built, I'm building on, that I'm not even built, I've, that I'm building my greatness on has been chosen for me, has been chosen specifically by God. So nothing anyone can do can topple it. You can try, but you won't, you, you'll just be wasting your time, you know? So that's why I suggest, um, that reading, reading bell hooks and getting your fucking life because she comes with all of the bits. She comes with all of the bobs. So now we come to So You Mad, aka Straw of the Week. So who gets the first straw of the decade, the first straw of the year? Oh my God. 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 Um, well, the first straw goes out to this resort um, in Costa del Sol where this Nigerian British family were staying where the father and the two daughters drowned in the pool. Um, and the straw also goes out to the, it goes out to the resort and it also goes out to um, the police who um, were dealing with the case because you're all fucking idiots and may you burn in the hottest pits of hell. Um, and also goes out to the people who were commenting on it, the trolls online who were commenting on this story as well. So it's a three-way straw. You know, those kind of straws that have three branches so you can all suck your respective mothers, you fucking pricks. So for those who don't know the story, um, a mother is reeling from the death of her husband and her children um, who drowned while they were on holiday. Um, I think they drowned on Christmas Eve in a swimming pool um, at this resort in uh, Costa del Sol. Spanish police concluded that Gabriel Dia, 52, his daughter Comfort Dia, 9, and his son, sorry, son, praise Emmanuel Dia, 16. So a 9-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 52-year-old died after um, allegedly getting out of their depth in the pool. But Olubumi Dia, who's the mum, has denied that and said that something was wrong with the pool at the resort in Fuengirola. Um, hotel operator Club La Costa World said the pool was working normally. A statement from the Spanish police said initial evidence found the incident was a tragic accident caused by the victim's lack of expertise in swimming. An autopsy of the bodies found they died by drowning. Earlier, Spanish media reported another of Mrs. Diaz's daughters had told the police that the three could not swim. But in the statement released by the media, Mrs. Diaz said we never informed the police of or anyone that the family members could not swim. She added, I believe something was wrong with the pool that must have made swimming difficult for them at that point in time. My husband went in via the steps trying to help the two struggling children while I ran to the nearby apartments shouting for help to help to assist my husband. By the time the assistants came, the three of them were under the water. In response to Mrs. Diaz's statement, Club La Costa World Resort said that her claims were directly at odds with the findings of the police report and their exhaustive investigations have confirmed that the pool was working normally and there was no malfunction of any kind. The resort has said the pool remained closed out of respect for the victims of the tragedy. Our, sympathy, um, our sympathies remain with the family um, at what we understand must be a stressful and desperately upsetting time for them, a statement added. Um, a police spokesperson said divers retrieved comfort swimming hat from the pool pump, but investigators had found nothing wrong with the pool. They also confirmed that there were no lifeguards on duty because it was so small, it was not necessary. 
Paying tribute to her husband and children, Mrs. Diaz said she was utterly heartbroken. She added, we are deeply shocked, saddened and struggling to come to terms with their passing. They all brought a joy and love to the world and to everyone that crossed their path. We love them all dearly. We'll always remember them in our hearts and miss them greatly. Mr. Diaz was a pastor at the Redeemed Christian Church of God in South East London. His fellow pastor, Agu Iruku, described him as a humble, friendly and committed pastor and Christian leader. Wow. Wow. FYI, they only kept the pool closed for like three days, I think, if that. So they're fucking idiots. Um, First thing first, like, no resort should have a pool that people can get into if there is no lifeguard available. That's number one. That's on that period. That, That should be the first thing. R.I.P., you know, rest in peace to this family, um, Mr. Dia and his son and daughter, like rest in peace to them. Like that is truly horrible. And this struck a chord with me because it was the same thing that happened to my family friend Toto um, when he went to, I think it was Florida with his mum. I think he died on New Year's Eve um, a couple of years ago. I think it was a couple of years ago. Um his mum took him there because I think his birthday fell on that time as well she took him there for a holiday and he was in the pool after hours and I think she was up in their room and he drowned and it's just really really odd to me because he's a strong swimmer as well so I think it's very racist obviously that the first thing these Spanish motherfuckers went for is that oh well you know the family can't swim but nobody said that to you and would you have said that a white family couldn't swim if they drowned in the pool would you have said that highly unlikely but you're going with the assumption that oh black people can't swim so they couldn't swim and and that's why they drowned shut the fuck up you're a liar you're a big big liar and we see you for what you are and you will burn in hell you fucking pricks i don't know how they're missing out on what mrs dia um olubumi dia what she's saying in that there has to be something wrong with the pool you pricks found you pricks found the daughter's swimming cap in the fuel pump fuel pump in the pool pump that's where you found it so there was suction enough suction for her her hat this little plastic rubber hat that would have been floating on the surface to somehow make it into the fuel pump fucking hell fuel pump into the pool pump but like you haven't asked yourself how that could have been the case i have a feeling that some motherfucker decided to kind of you know when they're changing the water in the pool some motherfucker decided to press it while the um, young children were in there because again we know that Spain is anti-black we know that Spain is racist as fuck and somebody either thought it would be funny or they didn't realize that people were in the pool at the time and they pressed it and that suction creates like a whirlpool effect like and and I think that that's what was pulling them and holding them under because you've also said that the reason that the lifeguard wasn't there is because the pool is very small so if the pool's small then how much depth can the pool really really have how could they have been out of their depth? Like none of it makes sense. And that's why the mum was like, no, nah, there's something wrong. There was something wrong with the pool. There was absolutely something wrong with the pool. And I and I agree with her. And I feel like it's similar to what happened with Toto because none of this makes sense. And it's so easy when it's black people to be like, oh yeah, it's because the blacks can't swim. No, there's more at play here. So I urge any listener that would even bother to go to um, Costa del Sol, 
Club La Costa World Resort. Um, however, look it up if they own many properties. Don't visit a single one of them. Do not visit a single one of them. Boycott their motherfuckers, yeah? Don't visit a single one of them because these people are murderers. As far as I'm concerned, they're killers to have allowed this to happen. Now, obviously I said that the Spanish police can suck their mums and the resort can suck their mums, but also the comments, the comments that were written about this when the news, um, when it was um, announced on the news, um, when it was announced on Sky News, um, someone wrote, let me guess, they didn't learn how to swim. That was written by Jack Osborne, um, but I don't think it's the real Jack Osborne. I hope not. Um, And then somebody else wrote, learn how to swim or stay out of the water. Some Somebody else quite rightly wrote, something doesn't seem right. And somebody else wrote, well, that's one destination I'm co- crossing off my list, good. And then somebody else wrote, British, haha, you're having a giraffe because you're more concerned. They've announced to you that a family have drowned in a pool and they've referred to them as a British family and you're more concerned that they've been referred to as British because you don't see black people as being British. So you are a cunt and you deserve to to, to rot and, and burn in the hottest pits of hell also. And then somebody else came again and wrote, not British, haven't learned to swim at 52 years old, wrapped up in cotton wool in a Western country, still haven't learned the basics even the cotton wool thing gets me because uh, cotton black you know whatever um somebody says haha knew they weren't real brits drowning explained stereotype confirmed somebody else wrote somebody threw crack in the pool and they were trying to get it this just goes to show you the state of the world that we live in and i can't prove that all of these people are from britain but it doesn't matter but when we say that this world is racist when we say that britain is racist you man will jump up and be like britain's not racist britain's not racist there was one time i i stopped at a a zebra crossing for a black person who wanted to cross the road like britain's not racist but then look at these comments but every year every year you man will come out and talk about oh my god Madeline McCann Madeline McCann we're still looking for her we're still looking for Madeline McCann after all this time when we know who killed her really we're still looking for Madeline McCann after all of this time where we can't first of all was Madeline McCann even a real person or was she a government document but that's I told you that's one of my um tin hat um conspiracy theories but if we're talking about Madeleine McCann being a real child, being a real person, we already know who killed her and you can't tell me any different. Yet every year we're giving them money to help them look for their child. The child, don't piss me off. I suggest you don't piss me off because it's it's really mad. So it goes to show where sympathy can be given. Sympathy can be given to parents who basically neglected their child. If it's truly that the child was abducted, yeah, sympathy can be given to parents who neglected their child upstairs to go downstairs and go across the way and go and drink with their friend yeah but a father who jumped in the pool to save his son and his daughter you'll talk about someone dash crack in a pool and that's probably what they were looking for it will never be well with you fuckers it will never be well with you motherfuckers i promise you that i promise you that you will not see a day of happiness and that's why you sit online chatting shit that's why all of you sit online chatting shit anyone who sits online chatting shit that is why you do it because god has forsaken you because you're all pricks and god doesn't have your time but it really really breaks my heart and I just pray for for comfort for the mum I I pray for God's love and and just assistance during this time I pray that her spirit guides hold her close the angels hold her close because this is horrible this is just horrible and I, I can't think of how anyone would cope but I pray that she finds a way I pray that the mum and the family left behind find 
finds a way. <sighs> so my final so you mad. I'm so you mad, sorry. Look at my life. My final suck your mum, aka straw of the week, um, goes out to Donald Trump, not my president. I don't live in America, but it wouldn't even be my president anyway because he's a pussy clerk. Um, and this drone attack that he did um, and killed Kasim Soleimani, the, um, this uh, Iranian uh, military leader, it breaks my mind, not even my heart. It breaks my mind as to how predictable all of this fucking shit is. Motherfuckers are getting impeached. So to 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 cause disarray, to cause chaos, it's like, oh, I'm basically going to start a war. I'm going to start a war that I'm not going to be the one to deal with. None of my children are going to have to be involved in this war in any way. They're not going to have to fight in this war in any way. But I'm going to start a war because these motherfuckers want to impeach me and I don't want to be impeached. So I'm going to do this. And I know how the, the population... The gun-toting population that live in this country, how much they love war because they believe it's to protect their freedoms because we're the greatest country in the world. La, 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 la. So this is also a way of me guaranteeing that I win the 2020 elections. Like, this is all like presidency by numbers, yeah? Colouring by numbers. Like, this is what it is at this moment in time. And I... I'm sad that people are falling for it. My mind is just like, what? That people are falling for this shit and more so that people are making jokes about it. Like, fam, war isn't funny, you know? Like, even forget even understanding war as it's happening in the rest of the world. Think about even Africa, how many stories your family can tell. If you just sat down with your family member, choose one, or um, not, I wouldn't even say much older, they can tell you stories of war whether it's Biafra, whether it's the um, DRC, like people can tell you stories of war, whether it's Sierra Leone, like people can tell you stories of war. War is not fucking funny. Like people lose their entire families. And because of the way that we're insulated in the Western world or the global West, we don't understand the true implications of all of this because once in a while you see these terrorist attacks and you're like, oh my God, oh my God, this is why we need this. This is why we need that. People wouldn't be reacting in the way that they're reacting if your fucking country, our fucking country, didn't go and do the shit that they were doing in the first place. You went and destabilised countries. You went and destabilised governments. You wanted war to happen so you can continue having access to their natural resources. And then when those wars are happening now, you're like, oh, look at these savages, look at these savages. But the people who live there know that you were the one that came and caused this fuck shit. So should they choose to retaliate? I can't really see how I'm vexed with them. I'm vexed because lives obviously are lost, but I can see that they're retaliating. Like, if you slap my face, I'm going to have to slap your face, yeah? It is that, it is what it is. I'm not turning no motherfucking other cheek. If you slap my face, I'm going to slap your face. And this is what's happening here. And war is what, like, you know, in America, they've gotten their coins in God we trust. No, you don't trust in God. If you trusted in God, you wouldn't move as mad as you've moved. You trust in war. War is what helped you to even get the country, to get the land that is called America in the first place. That is how you got it. By spilling the blood of the indigenous people um, and then and then bringing other people in to come and help you build the country and all of this stuff. Like, I love that because I'm watching American Gods at the moment and I love that Anansi says in one of them, I think it was Anansi that said it or maybe it was um, Ibis or um, Jaquel that said, like, a common mis... I think it might have been not Anansi, it was one of the other guys, Ibis or Jaquel, that says, like, 
one of the misconceptions is that it's just Puritans that went to um, America to start it off. So then when they're doing these um, Thanksgiving um, recreations or reenactions, they show all of these Puritans doing this, doing that. Criminals were sent there as well. Like if you if you move mad in Britain, they sent you over there. Same way that they did with Australia. So don't tell me about land of free home and the brave. Like you're still criminals and you were criminals when you stole the country. You were criminals that were shipped over there. Criminals, criminals, criminals. Yeah. But you want to talk about everybody else being the thief, everybody else being the criminal, and you're just so good and you're so hearty and you're just so pure. Fuck you. Fuck all of you lot. Fuck you. Yeah. And war is what you trust. War is what helps you to get everything that you have. And I know that the Confederates and all of them, man, they want war again because they don't feel like it went the way that they wanted it to go. Fuck that. They still want slavery to be, you know, strong, strong out in these streets. War is what you trust because you spend money that you could spend having free health care for your citizens. You spend it on um, military things, um, on buying ammunition, on doing this, on buying guns, on building things, on having bases in places that you shouldn't have bases in. That, that is what you spend your money doing. So you don't trust God because if you trusted God, no one behaves like this who trusts God. I've, I refuse to believe such. Like I genuinely refuse to believe it. And then to, um, Trump is actually out here tweeting shit like, oh, well, you know, we've just bought some heavy grade military thing, thing, thing. You don't want us to have to use this because if we use this like who are you talking to like look at how he's gassing up the thing to make people believe that this is actually something that he's doing for america as opposed to something that he's doing for himself and never ever forget that war is a class thing yeah it's about class because upper class people aren't sending their people to war it's the working class that have to go to war yeah so the poor people are dying for the desires and the whims and the greed of rich people that is fucked even if we when we look at the monarchy when Prince William and Prince Harry are stationed and they've got to do their little stint, um, in, you know, in the military or whatever, they're not stationed in places that they're going to actually get hurt. No, they're not. They're kept well away from that. It's the rest of you man that get hurt. It's the rest of you man that come home with PTSD. That is the that is that is the fuckery. That is the wildness in all of this that's happening. It's us that will suffer for the whims of these people. It's us that will suffer for the whims of these people. I propose that if you want a war with certain men, you lot get in a room and slap each other's faces, like happy slap each other. Just just keep slapping each other until somebody somebody cries or gives in. Do that. And then the, 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 the state of the countries are determined by you lot slapping each other's faces until somebody cries or gives up or passes out. Do that and don't involve the rest of us. And then we'll just go with whoever won that slapping match. That is all I ask because I don't want to be embroiled in something that's got nothing to do with me. I don't want to be um, brought into hating people that's got nothing to do with me. Like, it's just mad. It's just wild. Now, again, when they retaliate, you're going to be talking about, oh, national security. Oh, they said death to America. Yeah, they said death to America because you said death to them first. You started it. You started it. And it, like, how is everyone still not remembering the, the, the alleged weapons of mass destruction? That is the same story that this orange motherfucker is peddling now. Oh, I have reason to believe that, you know, Kasim Soleimani was going to attack this person and that person. What reason do you have to believe? What intel really? And why was he going to attack them? When you get to the crux of it, why was he going to attack them? Probably because you attacked them first. So it's just fucking ridiculous. It's absolutely fucking ridiculous. And I, and it, 
it blows my mind. And again, even when Clinton was, Bill Clinton was about to get impeached, he did the same thing. Oh, well, we're just going to go and start a war over here. Just going to go and, you know, launch. Yeah, I think he launched an airstrike in Iraq. Like, why? Look at how disrespectful you man are like it's all of the brown bodies like the brown people black people you don't care like you're going to start trouble in them areas and then you're talking about oh uh you would you're disappointed america's disappointed because europe hasn't really shown solidarity with us in what's happening here because any attacks on us will also result in attacks on them don't involve us in your higgy hagar. We're not supporting your nonsense. It's got nothing to do with us. I'm not going to come and take paracetamol for somebody else's headache. You went to go and look for trouble. Don't you remember in secondary school where you'd have one idiot that would go and look for trouble, but because you're their friend, they'll be like, oh, do you know that Sharika wants to fight with me? Are you coming? Bitch, I ain't coming to fight Sharika. Sharika ain't done nothing to me. You go and fight Sharika. You're the one that went to go and look for Sharika's problems. Not me. I'm not coming to come and fight anything. Leave me alone. And this is what we've got here. And I feel that, again, you didn't want to vote with sense. And because you didn't vote with sense, it's Jeremy Corbyn that now has to ask the questions that you man should have been asking in the first place, but you were busy moving mad. So he wrote a letter to Boris Johnson and he was basically like, like, we need these questions answered. He said, Dear Prime Minister, I'm writing to request an urgent Privy Council briefing on the consequences of the United Kingdom, um, for the United Kingdom, um, of the assassination of Qasim Soleimani. There are a number of questions which I believe need to be addressed, including was the government informed in advance of the US president's decision to launch this attack? Now, the thing is, we wouldn't have been informed. um, And I don't think even Congress was informed that um, Trump was going to do this, but he informed them within 48 hours of doing it, as is part of US law, because he didn't want to break the law again in doing that. But he basically did it in secret. You threw people into a war that they didn't even know that they were entering into. That's wild. It then goes to say, if the government, um, we also want to know if the government was informed in advance of the action, what advice was given to the US administration in relation to the UK's government attitude or concerns about the proposed action subsequent to the u.s attacks what communications have taken place with the u.s administration and in particular has the prime minister spoken directly to the president about the attack and its expected consequences in its communications with the u.s has the uk government expressed its opposition to this action called for restraint by the u.s and for de-escalation of tension between the u.s and iran what representations or communication has the UK government had with the UN Secretary General about the consequences of this attack for peace and security? Given the present risk of the Iranian military response to the US attack, what measures has the UK government taken to ensure the safety of UK nationals in the region and beyond? What action has been taken to protect the UK shipping and UK strategic locations? What assessment has been made of the potential increase in the risk of terrorist attack within the UK itself as a result of the assassination? And what action has been undertaken by the government to address any increased risk? Given the serious nature of the issues now faced by our country and indeed the world as a consequence of the US attack, I would welcome a prompt response to this request and stand ready to attend any briefing meeting as soon as arranged. Yours, Jeremy Corbyn, leader of the opposition. You know, as a side note, I really love that that's the way that people sign that off, like politicians sign that off. Like imagine writing a letter to your op, yeah, and being like, rare, 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 signed someone who hates your fucking guts and it's on the other side of everything that you believe in, babes, kiss, kiss, XOXO. 
I just think it's hilarious. But yeah, like Jeremy Corbyn is asking all the questions that we want to know. Like, did you know that this was going to happen? And why didn't you tell the rest of us? And if you didn't know it was going to happen, what's going to happen now? Because we want it made clear that we are not involved. Like you need to put out a statement that we are not involved in the fuckery. Like leave us out of this fuck shit. We don't want any problems. Yeah. Don't start now and there won't be nothing. Like we don't want any of that. Yeah. Keep it. We don't want the smoke. We don't want the beef. So Jeremy Cormier's asking these questions. Meanwhile, Boris Johnson is there lounging about wearing Speedos and just looking like something that nobody wants to see. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to say, fuck uh, Donald Trump again. Like he can suck his mother because he's not the one that's going to feel the repercussions of his actions, his very selfish um, selfish actions. Um, I know that one of the cards that I pulled today was putting myself first is healthy but when people like Trump are putting themselves first it's the rest of us that suffer that is not healthy yeah he's putting lives at risk and there's a reason that Obama and them man didn't go and look for Iran's trouble but you decided that that's what you're going to do so fuck you Donald Trump and fuck you to everyone that can for instance sympathize with the bushfires and things that happen in Australia obviously like you know sorry about that sorry to sorry to those people but you can't sympathize with um the people who are losing their lives and will lose their lives as a result of this fuckery. Um, it's a major problem. It's a major problem. And yeah, you'll be like, oh, well, we did it in Iraq and da 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 No, you've looked for trouble. And when you get what you're going to get from it, leave the rest of us out of it. Suck your mum, Donald Trump. You don't believe. And for, and for anyone who's supporting his fuckery, you don't believe in God. It's not in God you trust. It's in war you trust. And that's simply it. Anyway, that's it for this week's episode of SYM. I have been Kalechi Okafor. This has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What. That's right, suck your mum. Remember to follow at Kalechnikov and at Say Your Mind Pod. I've also got a new blog site, like a new blog called Angry Black and Woman. Um, you can find it on kalechiokafor.com forward slash angry black woman i think yeah but just go to kletchyokafor.com and you'll see um one of the things i've posted i've decided i'll just post my writing to you man let you see the wonders that i'm doing because i know that i'm amazing and the world needs to see it so anyway look after yourselves make sure that you keep your body creamed in this cold weather keep it moisturized and remember to brush your teeth i just just a sidebar just please people brush your teeth because it's one thing to chat shit but it's also another thing for you to be chatting shit while your breath smells like shit it's really disconcerting yeah anyway peace it's the Ben's Brunani woman is baby boys baby girls you need to hear this so sit down sit down receive this realness make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are gonna sip it oh, hard time scrolling for your long shorts you might learn something you never know collect you find and she's one of a kind don't say you mind say you mind